0: Maybe may be seated. So last week we started on a, uh, a short series called How to Be Good and Rich. And it's not a get-rich-quick scheme, and it's not even saying that God wants you to be rich. That's not what it is. It's just an admission, a recognition that if you live in North America, like we do, that the world, when they look at us and our lives, even the poorest among us, We're rich compared to a lot of the folks out there in the world. We just are. We don't feel rich because we compare ourselves to people that we think are rich, and they generally have two or three times more than we do, at least. I mean, that's kind of the threshold they found out for who you think is rich. It's somebody that has two to three times more than what you do. We don't feel rich, but compared to the world, we're rich. And God seems to care about... What rich people do and how they handle it and all that. So we're looking into that. Just as a a little reminder about who's rich. If you make 75 cents an hour, that puts you in the top 45% of wage earners worldwide. 75 cents an hour is $30 a week. If you have $30 a week coming into your hands, you are in the minority. That 55% would trade places with you financially. Mind-boggling, isn't it? If you make $100 a week through your investments, through building walls, through pushing paper, whatever it is, if you make $100 a week, you're in the top quarter. If you make $25,000 a year, you're in the top 10%. If you make $50,000 a year, you're in the top 1% of wealthy, rich people worldwide. You don't feel rich. But guess what? You is. We learned this. God has special commands for people who are rich. You know, like this one. This is what we looked at last week. Command those who are rich in this present world. This is to us. Ears up. Let's read the rest of it together. Not to be arrogant, nor to put their hope in wealth, which is so uncertain but to put their hope in God, who richly provides us with everything for our enjoyment. Now, I've heard from a lot of you uh, over the past week since the sermon last Sunday, and a lot of you have kind of with a smile said, I didn't know I was rich. You know, it's, it's kind of surprising. Um, and I'm grateful, by the way, to Dennis Kellerman for, for speaking last week and, and talking about what we're doing with some of the money that has been given in, you know, because all souls tithes on everything that's that's given into all souls and dennis thank you for your presentation wherever you are where are you there you are thank you dennis for for sharing that today i want to talk about what is perhaps the most important choice that you and i can make with our money there are a lot of choices we can make with our money because we're rich we get to make choices this is probably the most important choice that you can make and i'm going to tell you before we get there, buckle in. It's, it's a difficult one. It's a scary one. It, it seems somewhat offensive maybe when, when you hear what the most important thing we can do with our money is. It, it may not even seem like it's possible or something you should even consider. It won't seem wise to some of you. But I'm going to ask you to make a choice about your money anyway because I think the benefit to your life and my life is, is too great to shy away from talking about this. But before I do that, I want to set up what we're going to talk about by taking you back to what happened when the Israelites left Egypt, you know, the exodus, where they left slavery and started to step into becoming the people of God. Recognize that picture? Yeah? Um, When they left Egypt, they had been slaves for 400 years. They were slaves for 400 years. Okay? they But when they came out, God gave them such favor with the Egyptians that whatever they asked for, the Egyptians were so ready to have them go, gone because of the plagues that were coming on the Egyptians where God was like, let go of them. I want to get them out of there. So he sent the plagues and, and the Egyptians were so ready to have them gone. They said, take whatever you want. Whatever they asked for, they took with them. So they took flocks and herds and food and, and spices and they and clothes. And gold and jewelry, they took a lot of stuff. The Egyptians should just get out of here take it i don 't care just go um, they the night before they left in the middle of the night, they ate a full meal, so they were ready to go. Uh, they brought a lot of extra bread with them. We were told it was it was uh, it didn 't have any yeast in it. you know they had to cook it quickly, but they brought a lot of, of bread with them. But we find out that two weeks into the journey, fifteen days. They've eaten, they've gone through all their food. This is a huge group of people. Huge group, millions perhaps. And they have gone through the food and now they're getting hungry. Uh, Exodus 16 says they complained to Moses about God. You ever complained about God? They did. They're, they're like, Moses, We, when we were slaves, we used to sit around the fire with a pot on it and it had more food than we could eat in it. We wish we were back there, at least we'd have food. Do you remember what God did to provide for them? manna in the morning god God told him said in the morning you 're going to have this this stuff. The dew is going to leave flakes on the ground there it's kind of white like coriander seed, but it's 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 is for you to eat. So you'll be able to go out and gather it. Just gather enough for one day. If if you try and keep it overnight, it's going to go bad. And then in the evening, going to bring you quail. You're going to have quail come in. You can catch the quail, cook the quail. So I'm going to provide for you. And God provided for them every day. But anything they tried to keep overnight, what happened to it? It would spoil. They couldn't store it up, right? They couldn't store it. It kept them from trusting in what they could gather to themselves. They instead had to trust God every day. Now, they marched right across the desert. They went up to what was the promised land, and uh, they went in. They sent in some spies. How many? Twelve spies. They spent... They, they went to the border, sent the spies in. The spies went up and gathered around. That's the Dead Sea. That's the Sea of Galilee. And they go in. They're looking at everything. They go up to Rehob. And then they come back down. And in the Valley of Eshcol on the way back, they said, well, we just need to take some of the stuff we're seeing back with us. So they got a huge bunch of grapes. It was so big, one bunch, that they had to put it on a pole and string it between two of them and carry it. And they, they brought some of the other fruit and all that back with them, Right? And they get back there, and it's like, you think that would be a good report? People would be like, yeah, let's go in and take our land, right? But they didn't. Why not? They were afraid. They were afraid there were giants in the land, and, and they, were, they were frightened. And so they didn't want to go in. Two of them wanted to go in, Caleb and Joshua. They were, way to go, Caleb. Good job. But they wanted to go in, but the others are like, no, we can't go in. They're too well defended. They're too big. And, you know, it's too big a job. Which means they didn't trust in God. They didn't trust that God would get them through what they had to go through, right? So God said, well, tell you what, you never get to go in then. Let's go back out in the desert. Let's march around in the desert for a while, 40 years, until this whole generation that doesn't trust me is gone. And they go back out, and guess what? He's providing for them every day, manna. And quail. Every day God provides for them, and everybody who's young and who grows up in that, guess what? They come to believe. God provides for us every day, and this time when they go back to the borders, and it's time to go in, even though there are giants, they're like, "Let's go." God provides for us. God's got this. Right? Now, the number one description of of the land of Canaan, the promised land, is what? It's a land flowing with You know what that means? Where do you get milk? We think cows, right? All right. But but you get it we well, get it when animals give birth and they feed their, their young on milk. If it's a land flowing with milk, what does that mean? There's a lot of animals. You're, you're going to have a lot of flocks and herds. If it's flowing with honey, where does the honey come from? Bees, bees do what? Which means there are lots of. You're going to have lots of crops. You're going to have so many crops and so many animals and so I mean, it's going to be like the land flows with milk and honey. You are going to be rich. You're going to go from this thing where you have been trusting me every morning and every evening to provide for you to all of a sudden you've got more than you need. There was a, I may have told you this story before, but your archbishop Foley Beach, you've heard of him? Yep. Okay, good guy. Um, it, a little sir, he he went over. He had some connections to to go over to Africa and spend some time with some uh, some pastors over there. And he goes, he came back. He said, my life has changed. Those people have so much faith. I mean, every time we got in the car, we had to pray over the car so we would start. Every, they didn't have anything. Everything that they had, they, got, they prayed and they thanked God in advance that he'd provide for it. And, and we, you know, there was enough to eat and there was enough to do. And we had, you know, we had places to meet and all that. He said it was amazing. The amount of faith that those people in Africa have who have nothing blew me away. He said I was so humbled. So they sent some pastors over to, to the states over, up in Loganville, Georgia to spend some time over here. You know, he went over there. They came over here. And at the end of their trip, they, they came to him. They said, he was, he was just a priest at the time. He said, Father Foley, we are so humbled by your faith. He said, you're humbled by, I'm humbled by your faith. Why could you ever be humbled? I, that doesn't make sense to me. And they said, you have everything and yet you trust in God. We don't know if we could if we had what you have. Different perspective, isn't it? These people are going into the promised land, a land flowing with milk and honey. They have everything. Will they trust in God? That's the question. Guess when God institutes a tithe? When they go into the land. When they go into a land. Why would God institute a tithe? They're rich. So they don't need all that money. Let's take some of it from them. Is that why? No. Deuteronomy 14.23. The purpose of tithing is to teach you to always put God first in your lives. How does that happen? How can can giving God 10% Teach you to put God first yeah, you have to trust that he's going to make ends meet, okay now now l- listen, let's be honest you, you and you me maybe i'll talk about me, all right, maybe you'll relate to this, maybe not I'm rich, aren't you rich yes. we're rich, let's just agree we're rich right it It should be nothing for me to 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 give. Ten percent of all this stuff that I have, all this income that comes my way i mean it's, it's huge i you know yours is huge too isn't it? think worldwide here yeah, yeah. don't think don't think the person that's sitting down the road from you think worldwide. You have so much coming into your hands. The rest of the world looks at you and says, it'd be nothing for you to give away 80% of that, 90% of that. God's only asking you to give away 10%. I look at that 10% I'm like, sometimes it's like, uh, that's a lot. I don't know if you, how you feel about that. Some of this is because we, we tend to live without margin, that we tend to spend what we get, and we get ourselves into debt, so we have to, that's what some of it is. We'll talk about that later in the year. But when God says, hey, I'm going to give you all this stuff, but I want you to, to, out of your own choice, give back 10% of that, like all of a sudden you have to start trusting in a way that you didn't have to trust before. You and I who have everything, all of a sudden now we have to start thinking about it. And uh, whether or not you believe that a tithe is required, whether or not you, you think that this is law that we should follow or maybe you think that it's not a law, we shouldn't follow that. I mean, the, we don't have to follow the law anymore. The I, there are arguments on both sides, well thought out, well reasoned, long arguments. We could debate that for a long time. But the principle of it, let me tell you what, I think we can all agree on the principle. Anything that can get us to trust God and realize who he is and how big he is and how good he is is probably a good thing. This is a choice that we can make to learn to trust God, to see he's faithfulness. like God is saying, I want so much for you to be able to trust me in everything. But if I, I wait until you, you see that you're in a spot and you don't know whether or not you can trust me, you may not have that trust built up in you to be able to act right when you're in that spot so so here's what i want you to do i want you to give me a tenth of what you get in it's a significant enough amount that you have to take notice of it but it's not so huge that that it's impossible i mean it's uncomfortable but it's not just throwing a dollar in the plate that's not building trust here's a dime that doesn't build your trust If you can trust me in your finances, which may be a very hard place for you to learn to trust me, you'll find out that I am trustworthy. And I will do what I will say that I will do. And you'll discover who I am. You'll discover my character and how trustworthy I am when you test me in this. You'll find out I'm big enough and worth trusting in other. Maybe more important areas in your life when you face the diagnosis or, or you face trouble in that job or that relationship. And, you know, it's, it's those times that you know that there's a right thing to do, but it sure does feel like the wrong thing at times. Such as, um, God, if I don't cheat, I'm going to fail the exam. I know it's the right thing to do is not to cheat, but it's, it's, you know, if I fail and I don't get credit for the class and I'm, you know, I'm not going to graduate. Do you trust God then or not? Um, God, I know I can get this deal. They'll sign if I stretch the truth a little bit. Yeah, we'll cover that. Sure, that's part of the package that you're buying. I know I can sell the car if I don't have to talk about the transmission. Oh God, don't I don't want to have to talk about the transmission. I can I can save the relationship if I don't have to be honest about that thing. I know the right thing to do, but boy, it sure looks wrong right now. Are you gonna trust God or not? Is God trustworthy? That when you do the right thing, you're sure that God is there for you. You have to figure that out. And God says, I'm going to give you a place where you can figure that out. And that's in trusting me with your money. When the right thing seems to bring the wrong result, will you trust God? When the right thing seems to bring the wrong result, will you trust God and do the right thing, no matter what the cost is? Now, let me tell you, we've had some things going on in our finances. Our insurance has, boom, gone up this month, a huge amount. Um, Something happened with them mortgage it's gone up there things have gone up and i have to pay them 900 dollars a month more than what we have been paying let me tell you i'm looking at that and going like whoa now let me tell you this two and a half years ago you'll see where this ties in emma and sean and i uh joined a group we went on mission to kenya summer of 16 we go on mission to kenya and when soma sent us out um, one of the things that, that I got was a, a little packet of, of cash, 500 bucks, said, uh, this is emergency cash. Don't use it unless you absolutely have to stick it away. So I stuck it away, and uh, we went, and we didn't have to use it. We used $50 of it that we had to use. But anyway, so we come back, and I need to get that money back to Soma, right? I can't find it. I look everywhere. I look through all my stuff. I can't find it. It's gone. I don't know where it is. I I kept telling him, I'm like, I I know it's here somewhere, you you know, but I I can't find it. I don't know where it is. Last night, I'm looking through stuff. I I take my passport out. I'm going on a trip. So I take my passport out, and I'm looking through in my passport. Guess where I find $450 in cash? What's the right thing to do? Send it back. (laughs) What's the tempting thing to do? Nobody would know. It got written off. Right? When are you going to trust God? Will you trust God when the right thing to do seems like the wrong thing? Get my point? But God says, this is the place you can test me told him in Malachi, bring the whole tithe into the storehouse so that there may be food in my house. Test me in this. Test me in this. He doesn't say test me about anything else. In fact, he says don't test me in a lot of other places. Don't test me by jumping off a building because there's a scripture that says you won't hit your foot on the stone. Don't test me in that. Um, Don't test me by driving by faith and not by sight. Don't test me in that. (laughs) Test God here. Try Him here and see if He's trustworthy. It's a counterintuitive thing. But test me in this, says the Lord Almighty. See if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing you won't have room enough for it. Now, whether or not you think this is a law that we should follow or we're free from the law, isn't this a good principle to look at? We can agree on the principle of this. This is a place where we can find out whether God is trustworthy or not. And if in finding out that God is trustworthy, is important in all the major decisions in your life. You have to know that God means what he says in every other major decision in your life. Don't you dare go trying to make those decisions without knowing whether or not God is trustworthy. Otherwise, you may pocket that $450, cheat on that test, cheat on your spouse and get yourself into a whole lot of trouble because it seems right at the time. Even though you know better. If we try it, God promises that he's going to come through with us. Could be financially, not necessarily. He says, like this, I will prevent pests from devouring your crops. The vines in your fields won't cast their fruit, says the Lord Almighty. You may, you know, while other people may have car trouble on a regular basis, you might not. Your clothes may not wear out as fast as other people's clothes. You might get sick less. I'm not saying God's going to bring you lots of money. Woo-hoo. That's not what I'm saying. He doesn't say that. Anybody who does say that is probably selling you something. What I'm trying to sell you is trust. And see if if God takes care of you. Now, I've never been one that, comparatively speaking, in our context, have had a lot of money. But we have always had enough. We have always had enough. And there are things that I was so glad we didn't have to... To pay for now, it, the funny thing is, there were times that we'd get in a chunk of money, and then the car would break down. You know what I mean? But it never broke down before then. I'm just saying, God is trustworthy. God is trustworthy. God is trustworthy. In whom or in what will you put your trust if not in the Lord? You're putting your trust somewhere. Are you trusting yourself? Are you trusting your friends, your family? Are they going to bail you out? Are you trusting the government? Hey, give the government all the power. They'll do it all right. I don't think so. Even with our families, as much as we love and as much as we trust our families, they aren't going to solve all your problems, let me tell you. They may not give you the good advice that you need to trust God and do the right thing. I'm giving you an opportunity today to make a choice because there are going to be hard times ahead of you. If you're not in one, buckle up. One's coming. And you're going to have to make some hard choices. You'll get through it. Especially if you can trust God and do what He wants you to do in the middle of it. Rich people aren't exempt. Jesus talked about that today. Uh, Jesus said, in our reading from Luke, What sorrow awaits you who are rich? You have your only happiness now. What sorrow awaits you who are fat and prosperous now? For an awful time of hunger awaits you. It's coming. Are you going to trust your riches? Evidently, that's not good enough. God told Jeremiah something extremely relevant to this in what we read today. This is straight out of our reading from Jeremiah 17, 5. This is what the Lord says. Cursed are those who put their trust in mere humans, who rely on human strength and turn their hearts away from the Lord. I'm just letting that sit there for a minute. If you're trusting in your own strength, I'll find, I'll make a way. I've got enough money stored up. My bank account's fat enough. I can get through it. I've got people who love me and care for me. You know, I'm glad you do. That's good. It's a blessing. But don't think that that's enough. Those people... The people who are trusting in human strength and in the stuff we have, they're like stunted shrubs in the desert with no hope for the future. They'll live in the barren wilderness and an uninhabited salty land. You think you're really going to prosper? You're not going to prosper in the right ways. You might have a fat bank account. You might have lots of friends. You might have, you might have. But there's a lot you won't, there's a lot you'll lack. It's important. But blessed are those who trust in the Lord and have made the Lord their hope and confidence. They are like trees planted along a riverbank. Imagine that. Imagine what that's like. With roots that reach deep into the water. Such trees are not bothered by the heat or worried by long months of drought. Or when their car breaks down. Or when their relationship is in a tough spot. Or when they're not sure how to study for the test. They're they're not worried. Their leaves stay green. They never stop producing fruit. I'm not saying if you do this that you're going to get lots of money. God's going to be like, oh, give me a little bit, I'll give you a lot. That is not God's way. But God will show you that He is worthy of your trust and He will look after you and protect you for every step that you take toward Him. I'm challenging you to take God up on this. I'm not trying to hold it over you and guilt you into it because it's the law. I'm not even touching that argument. This is the principle. Where are you going to find out where the Lord is trustworthy? It's His challenge. Take him up, tithe, bring it in. Try it between now and Easter. Try it between now and Pentecost. Try it between now and Christmas. I don't know. You, you, you pick a time frame, but give it time and see what happens. Do an experiment. Give him a tenth, even if it scares you. Maybe you should do it especially if it scares you. If you can't bring yourself, if you just cannot bring yourself to do a tenth, do a ninth, you know, nine percent or eight percent or seven percent. But don't don't just say, well, I'll, I'll trust him by putting a nickel in the plate. I'm betting that won't really challenge you. And I think what God is after is when things are uncomfortable, will you trust me? Maybe 10% is way too comfortable for some of you. Maybe you should try 11, 12, 15, 20 to make it uncomfortable. But I challenge you. I challenge you because God has challenged you. Try it and see if He is trustworthy. A dollar in the plate is not what I think He's challenging you to do. The purpose of tithing is to teach you to always. Put God first in your lives. Who are you going to trust? He's real. It's my testimony, I bet it's the testimony of a lot of you, that, that He is trustworthy. And He loves you. Now, a lot of you probably could, could have preach a better sermon on this because of your experience. But is there anybody in here that you have found out Because you've tried out, that he's worthy of your trust. Stick your hand up. Keep it up for a second. I want you all to look around. I would say easily more than half, maybe two-thirds of the people in here have their hands up. I challenge you. Find out that God is trustworthy in a way that he says you can. It will matter in every major arena in your life from now on. Amen? Let's stand and affirm our faith in the Lord Almighty.